Deva Mata Chapita Tomeva Tomeva Bandhu Chasakha Tomeva Tomeva Vidyadravinam Tomeva Tomeva Saravam Mamadeva Deva I bow to God as Father, Mother, Riches, Wisdom, Friend, Companion, everything, and I bow to him in you, because God is everywhere, and the more you can learn to see him everywhere, the more you find that all is bliss. Now mind you, bliss does not mean giggles. Bliss does not mean that everything is going to go just the way your ego wants it, but you must remember that the soul and the ego are different, and that the soul wants infinite consciousness. The ego wants the comfort and uh, care of this little body. And if we can just say, God, 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 if everything that we do is seeking to just surrender ourselves to him, to offer our lives to him, then don't think that God's going to make it easy for you. There is a principle on the spiritual path that he does take care of his devotees. But there is another principle that it isn't as if he cleared away the brambles on the path before you. I mean, the roses, he may throw brambles in your way. He doesn't strew your path with roses. Sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Because he wants you to understand. I remember one time we were developing a new property for, uh, uh, my, somebody had given to my guru. It's called the Lake Shrine now. It's in Pacific Palisades in California. But when we first got it, there were these mats that would sort of get into your eyes and ears and nose and mouth. And just, I said to Master with a wry smile, I said, what an irony. Here we have this beautiful place and it has to be ruined by these mats. And Master smiled a bit wryly, said, that is God's way of keeping us always moving toward him. Those whom God loves, he tests. Why? Because he wants them to understand that life is not just uh, parties and happiness and easy times. We must have a certain sternness in our, in our seeking. There must be a certain understanding that, that uh, although life is joy, the joy that we want is not in the things that we get. It isn't, I've heard people say, oh, my guru, brought, he, he's so wonderful, he helped me to get a new apartment. Well, okay, I mean, yeah, he can help you to get a new apartment. Yeah, he can help you to, do, to have good things, but very often he proves his love by taking away that apartment or setting fire to it, causing you to lose everything as we lost in that fire. It's, don't think that God's uh, desire is, your pleasure. Pleasure, as it says in this, in this book here, God is for everyone. Pleasure is counterfeit happiness. Happiness is counterfeit bliss. And so it is that when we are on the path, if we take it seriously, then we must realize that we are going to have to embrace the hard experiences as well as the easy ones. We're going to have to say with equal joy, 
when the tests come, it is your grace. I remember when I went through the greatest pain I've had in this life, Ananda Bhumima, the great woman saint in India, whom I had great love for, my guru had left his body by then, but she sent a message to me through a, through a disciple of hers, accept this as your guru's grace. And I thought, grace? That's one word I can't accept now. But you know, I found out in time, it was true. That it was through that that I became freed to do the things that I was supposed to do in this life. It was a great blessing. And I have seen this in my life and in other people's lives at first, very often, because I sometimes think God has a strange sense of humor. But I have seen also that when people stick it out with faith, they don't lose faith and say, goodbye God and all your crazy crowd. They just go along and just say, God, I, where would I go? I'll just keep seeking you. They find that in the end, his smile is there, and his love is there. And he gave them those very tests, not for their hardship. It was those tests that helped them to do the very thing they needed. God's guidance is not necessarily the guidance we want. But I have seen that although he closes all doors that make any sense to us, and opens a door that we don't think could possibly be right for us. If we have faith in him, if we go through that door, we finally discover that was the only door that would have taken us where we wanted. No other thing would have worked. Really, he is conscious of you right now. He's conscious of the least flicker of your thoughts. And the more you give yourself up to him, the more you will find that his guidance is there and he's giving you what you need at this time. Don't doubt that. Because, well, I mean, naturally you'll doubt it in the beginning. But if somehow you cling with faith to that thought, you will see that my words are true. I'd like to read from this book, Conversations with Yogananda. It's uh, number 109. In his later years, the master, like many other masters, experienced physical illness. He explained that a master, according to the law of karma, although free from personal karma, may take onto his body the karmic debts of others and in that way free them for more rapid spiritual growth. This loving sacrifice was the true reason for his own illness. Carry my body, he cried happily to us one day as we carried him up a flight of stairs, and I will carry your souls. On another occasion, we were carrying them, we were, as we were carrying him, he said, you are stealing lots of magnetism. That's good. It will help you. When, after a long illness, he had recovered sufficiently to take short walks in the garden, I said to him one day, it's so good to see you walking again, sir. Yes, he replied, it is good to be out again, but this body is not everything. Smiling cheerfully, he added, some people have the use of their legs, but can't walk all over. So, what we need to do, and this is one way that God tests his devotees to see if they are true, are you as true to him 
in the dark periods of your life as in the light? Are you as true to him when everything seems to go wrong as you are when everything went right? If you are, you will find, and there's no exception to this rule, you will find it's a truth that if you live by him with faith, sooner or later that darkness will vanish. And just think how many lives you've lived. Think how long this wandering pilgrimage of ours is before we finally find him. But the end of it especially is so wonderful. Don't doubt that. Every grief, as we sang last time, every wrong, has its ending in song. Sometimes people have to go through the portals of death and People don't see on this side of it what the end of it was. And they think, oh, uh, they have demonstrated that, that tragedy is the truth of life. They haven't. If you could just see the end. One time there was this disciple of my Guruji's who she had had breast cancer and she died of that. And it was in fact a, a terrible experience in this sense that she was, rec- she was recommended, to, uh, a hospital was recommended to her, but it was a false hospital. It was not true. They, they pretended to have a cure, but all they did was give people water and wait for them to die and take their money. And when my guru found that out, he said, God, destroy that place. And within a month, the police had come in, the whole place was destroyed, they all went to prison. Meanwhile, however, this disciple of his, this, this wonderful woman, she died of that cancer. And he went into meditation to find her in the astral world. And he said he saw her being led away by an angel. And as she was being led away, uh, she was seeing a field of flowers and enjoying the beauty of those flowers. And he called to her and that she wasn't evidently quite advanced enough to have carried that consciousness over. So for a while she looked at him and she didn't quite remember him. Then he touched her here and suddenly she remembered. She said, oh, I'll never forget again. And she showed him that her breast was completely well. She, People on this side of the veil might think, oh, she went to that terrible hospital. She died of that terrible disease and in suffering and what a sad thing it was and why does life have to treat us like that? Well, if you could see the other side, how blissful she was. All that was gone. All your griefs will be gone someday. All the losses, all the disappointments. Life goes on. Don't think that one life tells the whole story. And you may say, well, it takes a certain amount of faith. Okay, then let it be that then live to this moment. You can find that even in the midst of those difficult situations, you can be happy. I had open-heart surgery a few years ago. They gave me a new valve in my heart, and uh, that's a major operation. And the next day, I had a book at the printer, and it was supposed to get be printed, and they were just waiting for the preface, and I hadn't finished editing the preface. So... 
The next day after this major operation, I sort of pushed the fogs away and, and uh, edited the preface. And uh, I found that it didn't matter, so I'd had a heart surgery. But you don't have to be unhappy with that. The doctor came to me and he said, how are you? I said, great. He said, come on now, you've got to be in a lot of pain. I said, well, yeah, there's a certain amount of pain, but just think what I've had. Think how much stronger my heart is. They told me I'd be in the hospital two weeks. I was out in four days. These aren't miracles. They're simply willpower, and that willpower based not on a strong will like this, but just the simple recognition that, my gosh, everything changes. It doesn't matter. And so you don't take anything that seriously. Well, you know, life is wonderful if you can live it like that. All the, the, mind you, when you've lived as long as I have, you've certainly gone through trials. You've certainly gone through uh, what other people would call suffering. But I have to say that more and more, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for what he gives. And if he wants to give me more, well, I, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take objection to it. I, I have faith that he will give me what I need to grow. And I want him to give me tests if I need them. I want to be corrected if I'm wrong. If I have made a mistake, I don't want to continue in that mistake. I'd rather learn now than have to go through other lives and have to learn all over again. I want to get out. This has been going on long enough. My goodness, when you think how long people wander, they can wander a whole day of Brahman. How long have you been wandering? You don't know. I don't know. But why did it go on? Up and down, up and down, up and down. Every fulfillment, you think, I finally got it. Uh, and it goes, you get disappointed and it's not what you wanted. Every, It's sort of like a horse race. And you, you think, oh, let the horse win, let my horse win, and then, oh, it failed again. I, I remember a story by P.G. Woodhouse in which one horse ran so slowly it might as well have been the finished first in the next race. Well, life is like that. We might as well enjoy it. But we can't enjoy it as long as we're attached. So the secret is not to be attached. Not to be attached to your ego. Don't feel that whatever happens happens to your ego. Feel that it just, it happens. But it happens for God's love. It happens to make you stronger in that love. And you will see that in that growth of love, whatever comes, it will be joy. You know, one time a great saint was dying and the disciple said to him, How are you? And the saint, seeing the disciple's pity, began describing the ravages of this disease. But uh, the more he talked, the more the disciple felt joy in himself. And finally he said, Master, don't say anything more. I know what you're really feeling. And the guru just smiled. He said, he didn't say anything more. Because, yes, the disease was creating ravages in his body, but he wasn't touched by the body. This is how my guru was when he was facing all those troubles. He talked at one time when I'll probably read this in the book itself, but there were astral entities attacking his body, some of them shaped like corkscrews, some of them like saws, sawing on his bones. He said that the crucifixion was 
at least over in a few months, a few hours, but this went on for months. Not that he's comparing himself with Jesus in the sense of, well, he, what did he suffer? Look at me. He didn't mean it that way. But he meant that all pains, physical, mental, astral, spiritual, all of this is a part of the joy of God. And when you can reach that point of non-attachment, where you aren't attached to your body, to your ego, then you see that it's all his dream. I'd like to sing to you a song. It's really a poem of my gurus that he received from St. Francis. God, God, God. From the depths of slumbers I ascend The spiral stairways of wakefulness I will whisper, whisper, God, God, God. Thou art the food, and when I break my fast of nightly separation from thee, I will taste thee and mentally say, God, God, God. No matter where I go, the spotlight of my mind will ever keep turning on thee. And in the battle din of activity, my silent war cry will be, God, God, God. When boisterous storms of trial shriek, and when worries howl at me, I will drown their noises loudly chanting, God, God, God. When my mind weaves dreams, dreams, with threads of memories, on that magic cloth, Will I emboss God, God, God Every night in time of deepest sleep When my peace dreams and calls Joy, joy my joy comes singing evermore, God, God, God. In waking, eating, working, dreaming, sleeping, serving, meditating, chanting, Divinely loving, my soul will constantly hum, unheard by any God. 